What's up, guys? Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for listening to this week's radio show and podcast forum. And if you haven't yet, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if you do it and you send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, you got a free koozie coming your way. Heartland College Sports Koozie. Can't beat it. Talk to you guys soon and enjoy the show. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25 20. Breaks a tackle. 15 10 5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse, 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line. Touchdown, 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7 to advance. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. You know how I know the Big 12 is starting to gain some more credibility and some more respect? I went on CBSSports.com went to the college football section, and two of the top three articles are about the Big 12. That should make you feel pretty darn good. Pete Mundo, great to be back with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. If you missed this on the radio show or you're in and out of the show, you can, of course, find us on iTunes and download the podcast there. Uh, You don't want to miss it. We're counting down the Big 12 players on the website. We've got our credentials for Big 12 Media Days, myself, Matthew Postens, Derek Duke, Dave Beal, so it's going to be a great time. Cam Brock can't join us, but we're going to have a ton of coverage for you in Frisco in just uh, just over three weeks from now. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So we talk about this, right, the respect or lack thereof of the Big 12 Conference and what does it mean and where is this conference right now. But when you pop on CBSSports.com and you go to the college football section and you see David Montgomery as the lead story, being a star of a different kind, as CBS puts it. I mean, think about this. Go back in time, even two years ago. Can you imagine anybody from Iowa State football being involved in the cover story on CBS Sports? That's pretty unheard of. It's absolutely unheard of. I'd love to know when's the last time Iowa State covered the lead story on any college football page for one of the major traditional corporate media outlets. I don't think you could find it. I really don't. Not for one second. So as we get closer and closer to the season, and you know we're counting down our top 25 players in the Big 12 Conference and, and what that means, you know, there's a couple of things that have stuck out, stood out to me. First off, this Baylor team, I believe, if the offensive line is worth a damn, this Baylor team is going to have a plethora of absolute plethora of talent on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to their skill position players charlie brewer at quarterback who i believe could be the second best quarterback in the conference behind will greer and you think about denzel mims and a transfer like jalen hurd from tennessee who just had to sit out a year my goodness 
this can be a very special offense. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's going to be the Oklahoma Sooners under Baker Mayfield the last couple of years. But if Matt Rule plays his cards right, and he gets that thing humming, and he is able to build the offensive line, which remember, as a former offensive line coach, he should be able to do. These are some exciting times because you're going to see a big jump for the Baylor Bears. And we're going to talk with Colt Barber of Sikkim 365 here in a 10 minutes or so on the show and talk about this Baylor program and where it is coming off a uh, coming off a 10-win season because I do believe it's uh, it's really exciting. Now, the other awful team in the Big 12 this year, of course, or last year, hell, the last 10 years, the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, they're horrible, right? And with David Beatty now getting a new boss and David Beatty not making a ton of money, if he doesn't win three games, and I want to say four, but let's just say three, if he doesn't win three games and he doesn't come close in two or three others, how do you have any confidence that this is the guy that's going to turn around this program? How do you have a single ounce of confidence? I mean, and I'm somebody that wanted to give David Beatty time and wanted to believe and trust the process, as the Philadelphia 76ers call it, right? I wanted to be that guy. I wanted him to find those two and three star diamonds in the rough in Texas, bring them up to Lawrence, Kansas, and slowly build that program back up. But my goodness, it hasn't even been a slow build. If anything, it's gotten progressively worse. I mean, last year was a horrible, absolutely horrible year for the Kansas Jayhawks. Every game, they were getting blown out, and it wasn't even a close game it was basically a bye week for every other team in the Big 12 Conference. That's how you viewed the Kansas Jayhawks. And you don't want to view this team like that. You don't want to view this program like that. But that's how you viewed them over the past 10 years. And there's no reason to believe this year is going to be any different. And i got to be honest, the more I'm kind of digging in and doing research and looking at these teams from the inside out, I would be shocked if we are sitting here uh, next June, next July, and David Beatty is the coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. It's not that I want to see it happen. I would just be absolutely shocked if that were the case. I would. Now, Cliff Kingsbury, I'm going to give him a 50% chance. The biggest reason I'm giving Kingsbury a 50% chance to hang on to Texas Tech is because for some reason, Tech fans have this... Oh, I get why they have the soft spot. They have a soft spot because the guy was their former quarterback and the guy was somebody who uh, they trusted after what happened... Uh, with Tommy Tuberville and the whole falling out of that situation. They trusted him. The problem is, and I truly wonder, if that win against Texas at the end of last season, that miraculous come-from-behind win, is actually going to set this program back a couple of years. I know it sounds crazy, but think about it. If Texas Tech has another six-win season, makes a bowl game, maybe wins the bowl game, and... You know, you see enough improvement to say, you know what? Maybe Cliff can do this. Maybe Cliff can be the guy. And Kirby Hocutt's like, you know what? I'll give him another year. Give it another shot. But then in 2019, they go 5-7. and seven. At what point does Texas Tech pull the trigger? Or do they just say, we're a mediocre football program? You know, I don't know if Texas Tech can ever have that Mike Leach kind of season or that Mike Leach kind of tenure again. But what I do know 
is that Texas Tech should be in the same mold of a West Virginia, where these are the two teams that are, if you think about it, on either side of the geographical landscape for the Big 12. They're both in areas that don't have a huge uh, talent pool in their general vicinity. Yes, Texas Tech is in Texas, but outside of sharing the same state address, uh, they got a ways to go to find a lot of talent in a close-knit area like Dallas, Fort Worth, or Austin or Houston. I mean, they're you know they might as well be in uh, you know Alabama or Georgia in terms of how far they got to go. But they're similar in the sense that there's enough to pull from. There's good legacies. There are programs and universities that want to win in football. And Texas Tech and West Virginia should both be the kind of programs that expect to win seven, eight games every year, no doubt about it, with their eyes closed. And once every three, four, five years, they should be in contention for 10-plus wins. And if things really click, then maybe they can compete for a conference title if all the stars align. Now, West Virginia's held up its end of the bargain. You know, won 10 games two years ago. This year, I believe they should be winning 10 games as well with this offense. And if things break perfectly, they are going to be in the hunt for a Big 12 championship and possibly playing in Arlington in early December. But Texas Tech has not had that. And I know the turnover has been bad. And I know Cliff Kingsbury has had to build some things back up from scratch. But based on the recruiting or the lack of recruiting success, there's little that I've seen. Yeah, the defense should be a little bit better. But there's little that I've seen that tells me that Kingsbury can get this thing to the point where 7-8 games is a relative lock and those 10-plus win seasons are going to come uh, once every, every cycle of four years or so. I just haven't seen it. So I could very well see us sitting here in a couple of years. Texas Tech is introducing a new head coach, and we're looking at 2018 and 2019 as kind of waste seasons out in West Texas. I hope it's not the case, but I would not be shocked in the least if that were to happen. Lincoln Riley got an extension, and I know that's uh, shocking to you that Lincoln Riley got an extension in the last uh, week or so, but... I still am intrigued to see what he does without Baker Mayfield. I don't think Lincoln Riley is a, a product of Baker Mayfield. I don't, not for a second. But what I will say is, yes, he had a lot of success at East Carolina. But we're going to truly find out how transcendent of a college player Baker Mayfield is. I think Kyler Murray's good. And clearly, Kyler Murray loves football so much, he's putting millions of dollars on hold to make this thing happen with the Sooners for a year. But man, what Lincoln Riley does with Kyler Murray, with the offense, with the running backs that he has, losing Orlando Brown on the offensive line, it is going to be a really fun test. And you know that OU fans that expect Big 12 championships and now college football playoff appearances, uh, they're tough. They're tough. And they're not going to sit back and give Lincoln Riley a ton of... They're not going to be calling for his head or anything like that, but they're going to be critical if things slow down drastically from the last couple of years. They will be. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly coming up. Let's talk with Colt Barber, Sikkim 365. What's going on with the Baylor Bears? We'll get to it next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. (music) 
Continuing on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, I'm Pete Mundo, and we now say hello to Colt Barber, Sikkim365.com. Those guys do an awesome job covering the Baylor Bears, and uh, Colt, always appreciate it. Let's start with this team in general. Big picture, you're coming off a one-win season. But now you look at what Las Vegas says, Cole, and they're predicting an over-under of six wins for you guys, which means a bowl game. So from what you're hearing and from what you're uh, reporting on down in Waco, is this the kind of year that Matt Rule believes this team should be making a bowl game, no questions asked? Yeah, I mean, if you go back and listen to his press conference, one at the end of the season uh, after the TCU game, and then again uh, during spring ball, he essentially says that, uh, he expects this team to be a bowl team uh, come this, the end of the season. And, you know, I, I guess in, in typical situations, if you have a team that goes 1-whatever, and whatever, 1-11, and 11, and uh, it's hard to count that high for Baylor fans here in the last few years in the loss column. But it's not really your typical 1-11 uh, and 11 rebuild in the sense that there's no talent on campus. The team has been wandering in the desert, so to say, for the past three or four years. There was talent on that team, but looking back at Matt Rule's history, when he took over the team uh, that was coached by Al Golden, Al Golden moves on to Miami, and Matt Rule takes over, and he just establishes his uh, way of doing things uh, there at Temple, and they go 2-10, and, uh, and and everyone's disappointed and frustrated, but... Uh, he kind of has this vision, and that same vision is in Waco right now. And uh, it, 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 as a fan, uh, as a fan base, you don't get the sense that uh, there's too much optimism or there's too much uh, pessimism. I think that there is kind of a if Baylor gets back to a bowl game, that's a huge success. If Baylor wins five five games, that's a success in the fact that there's progress being made. And anything above that's a uh, a bonus, I, I guess that's the best way to say it. So it's a team that has a lot of talent. And you look at the transfers that came in, uh, you look at Charlie Brewer, you look at the running backs, uh, question marks on offensive line and in the secondary at the safety position. But there's a lot of pieces that they've added that are experienced. And in the fact that Matt Rule kind of believes in this and has the team believing that they can be successful uh, is a good start uh, as the season approaches because – this isn't a team that's lost confidence, even though they had a one in season. I'm sure there's some pieces that might not, but he hasn't believed and they can win. And I think there's a great opportunity for them to get back to a bowl game. Well, Colt, let's talk about uh, Colt Barber, Sikkim365, joining us. Uh, Colt, let's talk about the guy you mentioned there, Charlie Brewer. I mean, I think he has a chance to be the second-best quarterback in the Big 12 this fall behind uh, Will Greer. What kind of improvements have we seen this offseason, not just uh, on the field, but from an off-field leadership perspective from Charlie Brewer? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously everyone knows the situation from last year, and if you don't, a new Solomon comes in as a grad transfer. Uh, this quarterback situation just kind of up in the air. Even though Baylor fans thought that Zach Smith was going to carry the carry the, the rock for him, basically, uh, he didn't. Uh, a new Solomon won the starting job. Uh, he gets injured. Zach Smith takes over. Uh, just isn't that effective after the Oklahoma game. Uh, Charlie Brewer comes in against West Virginia and just basically has his Robert Griffin type moment where Baylor doesn't win that game, but everyone said this kid's probably the future at the quarterback position. Um, and that, like you mentioned, it was a lot of leadership. There's a lot of poise. There's a lot of uh, ability 
confidence in themselves, and it just all tied together. And even though they only won one game uh, after he took over the starting position, it was just a different team. And, and I think, one, the system itself had, had taken over uh, more than it had early in the season, but there was just a different feel about the offense, if it was his legs or if it was just his, his calmness and his demeanor uh, around the team. And that leadership really just really carried the guys around him in a way. And and if his one strength uh, that I would point to, obviously he has he has mobile enough uh, leg or, or attributes that he can. if a play breaks down, he can take off. And Baylor absolutely needed that last year. I yeah. think they'll need it a little bit this year too. Colt, let's and, talk about uh, but it. Let's talk about Jalen Hurd, if we can here for a second, a guy who comes in, the transfer from Tennessee, uh, running back there, wide receiver here. How do you foresee Matt Rule and this offense best utilizing Jalen Hurd? Is that at a slot? Is it kind of a dual position, running back, wide receiver, almost tight end mix? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, I don't think he's going to get a ton of carries. I think he will get some carries. You don't, you don't have a guy like that that uh, – is one of the best rushers in SEC history, especially at the University of Tennessee, and it don't utilize him in some way. But he transferred to Baylor to play a tight end or a, or a slot receiver position, and he's a big athlete. I think he'll get a lot of touches in a variety of ways, including you know if it's end arounds, if it's screen passes, if it's just carrying the ball out of the backfield, and uh, he can line up in the slot one play uh, in the red zone, and then move into the running back position and just create havoc for a defense. So they're going to use him in a variety of ways. And I think that because of his nature uh, of being a running back previously, that it's just going to be so hard to pass that opportunity. You have to give him the ball out of the backfield. Do you foresee him being, uh, you know, one of the go-to guys for Charlie Brewer, or is it going to be a good mix of uh, Denzel Mims and, of course, the the running backs and everyone else that's involved there? Because the skill positions for Baylor are really not the problem. Yeah, it, it wasn't the problem. It came down to the offensive line, but yeah, I think I think. Uh, Jalen will be one of their go-to guys, but uh, you also throw Chris Platt into the mix. He's coming back from injury, and he was well on his way to a thousand-yard receiver along, along with Denzel Mims last year. So you have three receivers uh, that are very versatile. That uh, I don't know that uh, there will be a better overall group uh, in the Big Twelve if Jalen Hurd lives up to his height uh, in a way that has been created in a way to go over the last year. Um, but they, like you mentioned, there's running backs, if it's Jermichael Hasty and John Lovett and Tristan Edwards. Those aren't household names right now for Big 12 fans, uh, but you go and watch their individual performances to kind of see their qualities, and they will be. Uh, I think mm-hmm. with a better offensive line, uh, Baylor will have the opportunity to make those guys more well-known across Big 12 country and across the nation. Colt Barber, Sikkim 365, joining us. Those guys do an awesome job covering the Baylor Bears. So uh, let's talk about the recruiting. You know, last week I I discussed this on the show, uh, Colt, and that's the fact that, you know, I think Mike Gundy has horribly under-recruited at Oklahoma State. And I pointed out that Matt Rule has recruited better than Mike Gundy over the past two years, despite the fact that he was coming in off of the whole Art Bryle scandal. And then last year, they're coming off a one-win season, and he still recruits you know, a top 30 class or so. So what do you attribute this great recruiting to from Matt Rule with all the circumstances he's been handed? Yeah, so the, one of the assistants that were hot, was hired, and I know you're familiar with him, Pete, is Joe McGuire. And he was a Texas high school legend at uh, Cedar Hill, I had a ton of prospects leave Cedar Hill and go on to be college stars, big-time recruits. And he got to Baylor or went to interview with Matt Rule, and the recruiting job that he did on Joe McGuire was amazing, if you hear Joey tell it. 
And the fact that he was able to recruit a guy like that in the situation he was in, I think was a, a foreshadowing of what he's going to be able to do on the recruiting trail at Baylor. I don't know what one specific reason that he uh, that you can point to to say this is why they recruit so well. But, man, uh, they they had the ability to sell something. And I don't know if it was just from the experience of having to sell Temple or, or what it was. I mean, they were getting four-star prospects at Temple as well. And uh, they they just have the ability to sell a vision if it's the NFL uh, a coaching experience on the, on the coaching staff or if it's just uh, playing time. Whatever they need to sell, they're selling it. And, man, I, I've been very, very surprised, like you mentioned, with all of the, the hurdles that they've had to overcome, uh, that they've been able to do that. And uh, it, it's only going to get better as they start winning as well. And they have to win. They have to prove it on the field. Uh, but I think they're going to be able to do that this fall. Well, we are really looking forward to uh, seeing you at Big 12 Media Days, Colt. I assume we'll catch you down there in a couple of weeks in, uh, in Frisco and look forward to kicking off the season here in just a couple of months, man. Thanks so much for a few minutes. Absolutely, guys. I'll talk to you all. Uh, I guess it'll be cool many days, man. Meantime, we've got some new uh, betting numbers. Yeah, betting numbers in the Big 12. We'll get to them next. Well, the trends are starting to roll through, and uh, I mentioned CBS Sports earlier, and they did a really good story on team-by-team trends for not just the Big 12 but every conference to get an idea of who is the best against the spread, who is the worst against the spread, and I thought it was very interesting when you look at these Big 12 teams and how they shake out against, you know, not just head-to-head, which we all know those answers, but how they actually are against the spread. Because for some of those, from some of you people, myself included, a wager never hurt anybody, and that includes college football. So let's get right to it. The best team in the Big 12 against the spread over the last 10 years, Oklahoma State. The Pokes, 60-35 and 35 against the spread over that span. That is a hell of a number, and they are 36-19 and 19 against the spread at home. Uh, that is that is darn impressive for Mike Gundy's uh, team, which, you know, you think about it, that's the Pokes still not getting enough credit for all the good that Mike Gundy has done there, winning 10 games in three straight seasons. He still doesn't get a ton of respect when it comes to the number. And the Cowboys, you know, if you want to place a couple of bets here in the early season, look no further than Oklahoma State because early in the season is when, from a gambling perspective, If you know your stuff on the college football front, you will make money. And if you know your stuff at the group of five level as well, and you know what's going on there compared to what's going on at the power five level, then you're really going to make some dough in some of these non-conference games. That's where the money is made early in the season when Vegas is still trying to figure things out, who's good, who's not. And also the average fan has no idea what's going on. I mean, the average fan says, yeah, sure, give me Alabama with the uh, three touchdowns. I'll take them. I'll lay the points to Alabama. I'm not saying Alabama wouldn't cover that number, regardless of who it is, but I'm saying the average fan is excited. He's ready for the season. He's dying to place a bet, and he's going to the Blue Bloods. So if you can find some value early in the season, that is where you are most likely to do it. Now, the Sooners, despite the fact that they are and have been the favorite in this conference for the last several years, the Sooners – 
are 20 and 10 against the spread in non-conference games. And that, that's a hell of a number. And also, the Sooners hit the over a lot. Now, I know that doesn't shock you, but still, 35-21-1 in true road games for Oklahoma as the uh, hitting the over. A team that you would expect to be at the top of this list that's really good against the spread, Oklahoma, or excuse me, Kansas State. Kansas State is 37-24 and 24 against the spread as a dog over the past 10 seasons. And they're 34-19 and 19 as an underdog in Big 12 games over the past 10 seasons. That is an incredible number. And you know what? If you like K-State, you should like them on the road because they're 21-9 and nine against the spread as road underdogs in the Big 12. Boom. There's how you make some money. They hit it over 67% of the time. Practically, what, 70% off the top of my head is what Kansas State is hitting against the spread in true road games as an underdog in the Big 12. That is a fantastic number. Now, Iowa State, if you recall Iowa State last year, they crushed it against the spread. 11-2. and two. Uh, you, could have, you could have made a down payment off of Iowa State last year. I mean, you know, kick some back to Matt Campbell and the boys, would you please? It, it was a hell of a year. So that's a team that I could see coming back down to earth when it comes to an against-the-spread kind of number because they'll get more respect this year, but they're losing some key players from last season. Not saying they won't win games. Remember, we're talking against the spread here. We're not talking straight up. But look for Iowa State to come back to the pack because nine seasons before that, Iowa State was 53-53-3 against the spread. So anytime you have a team like Iowa State that puts together a – Magical season by its own standards. Loses some key veterans. Now, brings back a lot of talent. But still, Vegas is going to factor in last season for Iowa State. And it's not going to be nearly as, nearly as profitable as it was last year. Now, you want to start making some money again. Look at the Baylor Bears. I mean, the Baylor Bears from 2011 and 2013, the peak of the Art Browls are 27 and 12 against the spread. But only 15 and 23 over the past three years, and that's been a total mess. But here's the thing. Baylor won one game last year. I think they're going to make that jump. The over-under on Baylor is six games. So Vegas thinks they're going to make a bowl game. But I don't believe the average fan knows what's going on. And he is going to bet against Baylor week after week after week until this team starts proving something. So I believe early in the season there's going to be money to, money to be made on the uh, Baylor Bears. I believe that. Now, the worst team in the Big 12 against the spread is West Virginia. Yeah. Now, it's a smaller sample size because they've only been in the conference since 2012. But the Mountaineers are 16-22-1 at home against the spread in the Big 12. I mean, that's, that's not a good number. They're 1-9 against the spread at neutral site locations since joining the Big 12. And guess what? They got a neutral site game against Tennessee to open the season, and they're a 9.5-point favorite. So... Uh, as much as Dana Holgerson's done a nice job, he has not done a good job in covering the number on either end. Now, I know some of you are wondering about Texas, the Longhorns, uh, seventh in the Big 12 in terms of covering the spread. Not great. Uh, 
not awful, just kind of middle of the road. Same thing with TCU, and Kansas comes in at ninth against the spread, 32-36 and 36, uh, over the past 10 seasons, but on the road, just 16-35. and 35. So they get crushed on the road. They hang tough at home, power to the Jayhawks there, but overall, uh, Kansas is a team that you're not going to make much money on. I've, I've learned that firsthand, and I've kicked myself for it firsthand as well. So uh, also didn't mention Texas Tech. Yeah, not great. Red Raiders 35 and 22 at home against the spread. On the road is where you can make some money. 35, 22 and one in road games against the spread. The over, I know you're shocked by this. 70, 51 and one since 2008 on the overs for Texas Tech games. I wonder if that number comes back down to earth this year, considering the defense might actually be the better side of the ball for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Something to keep an eye on. It is. Pete Mundo wrapping things up with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. If you missed any of it, go download it. iTunes, give us a rating, a review there. We appreciate that. And uh, we will talk to you next week. It's July 4th, but we're not taking any time off. We'll be here providing you some Big 12 content to get you through these summer months. So once again, Big 12 Media Day is July 16th and 17th in Frisco, Texas. We're counting it down. We'll have four guys down there. In the meantime, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right.